This is exactly right. Uh, Scotty, ready? I am so, so, so ready to laugh and laugh and laugh. Fossilized bones of 340-pound monster bird discovered in New Zealand. Can you dig it? Well, you're going to have to on this brand new episode of the Bananas Hilarious Podcast. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome to the hilarious, what did you say? I don't know. I don't know what I said, but <laughs> I'm so glad I said it two and a half or three years in, because if you start that way, people roast your ass. <laughs> the hilarious podcast, Bananas. I'm Kurt Brownell. <laughs> I'm Banana Boy, number two, Scotty Landis. Thank you for listening to the silliest little podcast there ever was. Kurt, you might notice I have a new yellow foam microphone Ooh. cover. Ooh, I like and I that. have one for you too. So when we go and tour, just amping it up a little bit. Oh, I love it. I love it. And that's gonna that's gonna push live shows just that much more over the edge, Scotty. Yeah, now we're queen at <laughs> Wembley of podcasting uh, in front of three hundred friends. I can't wait to get in. As you just said to me right before we started, like our both of our past 10 days have been crazy. We haven't seen each other in 10 days. Yeah, we haven't recorded in 10 days. And uh, I'm excited to get into it. One thing I do want to mention to everybody. Yeah, buddy. Out there, breaking news about our Portland uh, or more my Portland shows is I will okay. no longer have a show on Thursday, April 13th. It's just the Friday and Saturday shows, uh, April well, 14th fun. and 15th. Perfect. Easy. Great. Yeah, I don't know what day I fly up, but maybe I'll fly up on the 13th. Well, I guess you're not getting there till the 14th. Does that mean you're not flying into the 14th? I'll probably get there the 13th at night. Ooh, okay. You know I'm, I'm going to look about? into it because that could be very fun. Yeah, okay, great. Baby. Um, so, Scotty, you, as we spoke of last time, we're going to be part of the uh, Bacchus court, crew. The Bacchus yes. court. Uh, in the in in Mardi Gras in New Orleans, yeah, that's right. Tell me about it. Well, I say this with I thank God we didn't record the day I got back, which was last two, which was Mardi Gras. We actually flew back on Mardi Gras. Uh-huh. Um, two of those four and a half days I were there were the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. Whoa! Oh my! I God. mean, more than anything else I've ever done. Wow, that is a high yeah. bar. Very high bar. Yes. Um, so I'll probably bore Bananimals for ye- for years to come because so many things happened. It was nonstop. We were treated so incredibly well by the Brennan family and the Bacchus crew. For anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, in New Orleans around Mardi Gras, there are tons of parades and there are different groups of people, men and women, different I mean, everybody has a crew, and the Bacchus Cruise Parade is the best. It ha- the float. There's 42 floats. Wow. Uh, my friend Adam Devine was the king, and every year they have a different like celebrity king. In years past, it's been Will Ferrell, Anthony Mackie, really fun, interesting people. Um, and so he's in float number one, and then his court, 
which was like a group of dudes, which were, you know, a small group of like five of us, ride in the second float uh-huh. called the officer's float with a bunch of older men who are part of the crew. Okay. And for four and a half hours, we throw beads and toys and light up stuff to about 500,000 people. Oh, my God. So think about standing on a moving parade float and just throwing. So like two days later, my arm felt like I was like had just done an arm wrestling tournament and then pitched like 15 innings of baseball. Um, <laughs> but we're in full costume dressed in these like sequined. I have some amazing photos of all of us like jester suits with masks. You wear the masks. People throw stuff back. <laughs> They're not supposed to. But you're like dodging beads and stuff the whole time, too. Um, and then at the end of the four and a half hour parade where people are losing their minds for beads, everybody's like, how many, how many tits did you see? How many boobs did you see? Six. I saw six, <laughs> three women's it's, I think smartphones and camera phones have eliminated and, that part of the thing. Yeah. Like yeah. in 1985, if you were the CFO of bank of America and you whipped them out for the world to see the absolute worst thing that could happen is one person got a print photo of it <laughs> that you'll never see again and they could do nothing with it. So anyways, when at the end of that parade, I mean, and we're just and you're allowed to drink beer and it's like all my best friends. It's like so many of my good buddies just having the time of our life and, and making people legitimately happy throwing them light up beads like people are they're so overjoyed when they get these beads but you throw jump ropes and toothbrushes you throw crazy swag to everybody okay then it ends in the convention center where it is a black tie formal event where it's so big that the floats all 42 floats and they're like the baka gator which is four floats long of an alligator or though Oh, dude, it, it's incredible. But then there's also like one for Reggie Jackson, the basketball player. There's one for Mr. Bubbles, the bubble bath product. Mm-hmm. Hard to describe. Anyways, you show up to this convention center where this black tie formal event is happening. Kurt, 9,000 people. What? A party of 9,000 plus people. And the way and everyone's kinda, in, a, in a black tie? Women are dressed in gowns they have to be to the floor gowns beautiful and so you walk in and all the women go to the front and there's like gates set up so that you know the the floats have a place to go and adam goes in he's on a giant throne behind him is a giant bacchus guy like a bearded greek man with grapes and a moving chalice that's as big as like a car like he's drinking wine oh my god so we're right behind that and these people lose their minds even harder than the people out on the streets where they're just like screaming for beads or whatever crap you're throwing so wait, this is inside. Oh, oh, oh. This is indoors. This is indoors. So the parade is moving indoors at this point. Yes. It comes and does <laughs> a loop, and they announce each float, uh-huh. and 9,500 people are screaming at the top of their lungs, men in tuxedos, women looking incredible. And then there's a VIP section, <laughs> and then above the VIP section, there is the Bacchus Crew VIP section, and then above that guarded off by security is the king's court only so it was adam his family all his friends wives girlfriends two bars former kings and so and then there's the beach boys play a concert what 
<laughs> the Beach Boys play for an hour and a half, and then two badass New Orleans DJs battle back and forth, and we danced until 4 a.m. before we went to the hotel. Everything taken care of. We stay in our costumes. All my friends are drunk and smiling and hugging and dancing, and then we're surrounded by 9,000 people there oh to party god and this is it inside like a insane. convention center like the actual convention center the actual convention center okay the whole entire thing where they usually do boat shows or reptile shows or whatever <laughs> trade shows instead it's set up with like i don't know 700 tables like uh, it's it was crazy How and do then they, the whole and the way people are eating as well people are eating there's service everywhere there's catering everywhere but just the parades again 42 full-size moving two-tier two-story parade floats circle so we're number two so we're off first we're watching the parade screaming you hear this voiceover like and please welcome uh, the Bacasaurus, and it's a giant brontosaurus float that comes in with like glowing eyes, and people just scream. <laughs> so that was just Sunday night. What I'm describing was from 4 p.m. until 4 a.m. The wildest. It was the most fun I've ever had. That's... It was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Oh my god, that's amazing, dude! I wish you were there. You would have been the only. I mean, like of all the people to ride with us. And also, you know, almost all the court. It was, it, it just makes you love New Orleans even more yeah. as a city. One of the great cities. One of the great and, cities. And I'll never be able to replicate it. And even Adam, you know, at the on Monday morning, we're just talking to each other. And we're like, I don't think we can top this. And we were like, what is something bigger than this? And all of us kind of felt like that might have been the pinnacle <laughs> of... VIP treatment uh-huh. that we'll ever know. And like nothing will ever, like you're ruined. You're now currently ruined for any n- nice touch. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, yeah. It's like I'll fall asleep at the Kentucky Derby now. Like it was, wow. so that was one, uh, the number of stories I'll be able to spread out w- over this podcast will be fantastic. But it was, um, the, it was the most fun I've ever had. Oh. That is amazing. I'm so happy you had that experience. Thank that you. Like, it was really beautiful. That's pure I, magic, man. Well, you know that thing? You and I have talked about this, too. Like, you can only do something once, and then you can never go home again. Like, right. you can never do it again. So I just put that aside. It's like being a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. It's like moving to New York City for the first time. Yeah. All the things you and I have... You can't ever be a freshman in college again. You can't ever move to the same city again and have it the same experience. So that one, I'm just putting in a glass case and going... That was awesome. Yep. So lucky to have, uh, so lucky and grateful to have had that experience. But man, dude, it was it was something else. I, I it was incredible. Uh, yeah, you kind of can't do Mardi Gras again. I don't. I that was my fourth one, and I've been on the streets only for the last the first three, eighteen, yeah. twenty-seven, and thirty-three. I think, and so I'm like, uh, I'll see you at Jazz Fest. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, dude, how was camping? Did you freeze your ass off? So uh, we just happened to have gone camping uh, right at the beginning of what we now know was a, I guess, a 50-year storm. Yeah, perfect storm. (laughs) Um, 
Which so we were so I had been looking at the forecast and I knew it was going to be cold. We went backpacking for three days in the Angeles National Forest. Yes, and um, and the and it just looked like at the end it would start raining as we were hiking out. That's what it looked like from the forecast. Sure, and I was checking it right up until we went, um, and I was like, you know, already I got all my stuff, and so we parked. Um, we were parked at like thirty five hundred feet, and then we hiked down into this valley. Um, it's about a five mile hike in beautiful. It's amazing. We got like set up. It rains that first night. And like I'm hammock camping. My buddy Steve's hammock camping for the first time. My buddy Steve has never backpacked ever. Uh, so it starts raining. We like, you know, throw our bear bags in the fucking pouring rain and then just like get in and stay warm. Luckily we're warm. It drops down to 25 that night. Yeah, I was worried for you. Yeah, uh, but we were totally toasty in in our in our gear. Uh, okay. I woke up, got a fire going in the morning, mm-hmm. and then and then the next day it was like Steve and I we we had a beautiful time. Derek was making a chair. He was trying to build a chair out of sure wood for the. Whole, I watch alone. For it's the possible enti- for the entire day, he was trying to build this chair that never came to fruition. Meanwhile, yes. Steve and I are. Um, uh, have are frolicking uh, in in the woods, uh, eating eating mushrooms and having the most beautiful time. We're Absolutely. literally like hiking up mountains and like looking out over valleys, and then we come down and we're like laying on this creek bed. It's sixty degrees. The sun is out. Oh, that's There's nice. Beautiful, beautiful clouds in the sky. We look at the clouds for like I don't know, straight up an hour. Nice. Then. We are I, I we are baptized. We get totally naked and jump in the river into the Arroyo Seco. Uh and it's gorgeous and it's so cold, but the sun is out and we pop out of the water and it's like we're alive. Beautiful. And that was my birthday. And so it was yeah. like a very much a, a nice a baptism on my birthday. I love it. Come out of the river at one thirty, probably. Sure. Uh dry off in the sun. Put our clothes back on, head on over, uh, Mm -hmm. have lunch, get a fire Mm -hmm. going, have lunch. Mm -hmm. And at (laughs) 2.30, it starts snowing. Unbelievable. (laughs) So like as we got out of the river, it was a sunny day. And then I just see right coming over the ridge of just a black cloud. And I was like, here it comes, Steve. We walk over, we eat food, and then it starts raining. And then I get in my Boom. I get in my hammock and I'm just like chatting with the guys who are like just standing there. And then it starts snowing. <laughs> and so then it's pretty snowed. scary. I mean pretty scary. it's crazy. Yeah. We're at eight, we're at eighteen hundred. We're not high up, we're at eighteen hundred feet. Mm-hmm. Um but then it stopped again. We were we actually had like a very pleasant evening uh, where it wasn't too windy or anything like that. We go to bed, and then as we knew, we knew it would start you know raining at like around six yeah. in the morning, and it starts lightly raining at six in the morning. Mm-hmm. But then it stops. We get a fire going. We have breakfast, and then it starts raining again. And we're like, okay, let's just wait it out. So we're like underneath my tarp. I just have like a rain fly up, and we're just like sitting there waiting for the rain to stop, waiting for the rain to stop. We wait like an hour. We wait an hour and a half at the two hour mark while we're like waiting to like finally do our last like preparations. To yeah. it starts really snowing, and like coming down and then we're like oh no oh shit now we got to get out of here yeah this is Um, a problem yeah because we don't have like we have we're warm enough now but if it's really starts to snow here we got to get out yeah 
And so we like pack everything up. And by the time we pack up, the ground is covered. It's mm-hmm. like there's snow on the ground. It's coming down pretty hard. And we walk out and we now we have to hike five miles back uphill to 3,500 feet. And I look up and the all the mountains around us are just covered in snow. And yeah, it's just beautiful. total whiteout conditions. Like you can't mm-hmm. see it. They're all in the... Uh, in the clouds and so we just i just made i was like listen if we even like we're about to hike up the side of a mountain and all the trails are like just single track single track and then and then like a 500 foot drop on the other side and i was like a it seems it's it's like dangerous if it's all snow and ice on those conditions plus once we get to the car the car is going to be buried, and I'm not going to be able. It's an electric car with front wheel drive. It's a <laughs> Nissan Leaf. There's yeah. no way I'm going to be able to get it out up that no. hill if it's covered in snow. So we decide to, you know, make an call an audible and hike down and out the mountain, as opposed to going back up to the car. Yeah. So we just start walking down, and then uh, slowly the and that was the right move. But the snow turned to rain, and then we like. Hiked another four miles out. It was gorgeous, beautiful. We call Lauren. Lauren comes and picks us up. But now, <laughs> my car is still up on the mountain, and I oh. cannot get to it because the two is closed. Yes. And so now I have a car that's parked in a parking lot in the middle of the woods, covered in snow, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to get to it. So we like we tried to like drive up there today, and they just turned, oh, shit. Tur- they turned us around because it's again another fucking storm is starting today. I don't know when we like entered the fucking Rocky Mountains. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's totally different here. Totally it, different. This year is totally different. I've lived here for mm-hmm. ten years, and mm-hmm. this is the coldest wettest winter i've ever experienced it hasn't gone above 55 <laughs> degrees for like weeks yeah it's Which really, really rare it's so I insane go to the beach in february and i'll say i've got to remember a valentine's day where i was on manhattan beach and it was 95 degrees and i was like yeah, yeah i love it here <laughs> and that's what i was expecting i mean I, it is the weirdness of being of swimming nude and then one hour later, it's snowing is so crazy. Totally crazy. I love so it. insane. It's um, here. It's here. Uh, here it is. Are you ready for this story? I uh, love strange 18 news. minutes in Who to cares? this podcast. Who cares? It's been 10 days. This was sent in by Kristen Coco Coconis. Oh, yeah. She sends a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, the best name. The best name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just from USA Today, written by Janet Lorker. Lorky? Lorky. Thanks, Jack. Cool name. Best in the biz. Best in the biz. Now that's one giant penguin. Fossilized <laughs> bones of 300 pound monster bird discovered in New Zealand. This is amazing. This is just, this is a completely 300 banana pounds. story. 340 pounds. Mm. Paleontologists have discovered gigantic fossilized penguin bones on the coast of New Zealand. According to a study published in the Journal of Paleontology, only a few few bones were found, but it was enough for scientists to determine their size. Mm -hmm. The penguin species named Kumimanu fordici was found in the Otago region in New Zealand's South Island. Quote, fossils give us evidence of the history of life, and sometimes that evidence is absolutely startling, said David Field of the Department of Earth Sciences at the University of Cambridge. Uh, so on the shores of New Zealand 57 million years ago, Kumimanu Fordici would have been an incredible sight. Yeah. 
Uh, no shit. So I like little penguins. They're <laughs> they're incredible, and I could throw them as far as I want. Uh, so many fossil penguins attained enormous sizes, easily dwarfing the largest penguins alive today. Our new species, Kumimanu fordici, is the largest fossil penguin ever discovered at a pack approximately 350 pounds. It would have weighed more than Shaquille O'Neal at the peak of his dominance, <laughs> said Costa. So then they have it, because it's USA Today, and I love USA Today for this, they created the infographic. They have an infographic. Yes. They have an outline of Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot, one inch. Then they have a four-foot emperor penguin comes up to his crotch. Then they have a Kumimanu Fordici <laughs> that is six foot six inches, 340 plus pounds, almost as big as Shaquille O'Neal. It mm. is the most of it's the funniest bird I've I think has ever lived. Bring it back. Bring it. I know we've talked about the fact that mm-hmm. like there are companies who are bringing back extinct uh mammoths mammoths and shit fuck yeah. that we don't need mammoths we yeah, do we need a six foot six tall penguin if and only to stand next to shaquille o'neal just once his only purpose if we bring him back we let him stand next to shaquille o'neal and then we we kill him and mount him <laughs> <laughs> worth the effort worth the science oh man and then there's a bunch of other stuff but really the highlight is is just that is just how big that goddamn penguin is oh, oh it's amazing and why did it die you'd think that that would be pretty safe right why would like it- it's probably ocean it's probably an ocean bound penguin like you feel like back then and something was eating those something was oh. hunting that giant penguin because <sighs> how would that go extinct right 57 million years ago i don't know much about uh, yeah, I don't know much about it back then stuff, either. But that sounds like maybe a dinosaur is eating those penguins. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe that's too early for dinosaurs. I don't know. But something, you're right. Something t- something more terrifying was eating a six foot, six inch penguin. Yeah. Just yeah. popping it like grapes. No problem. Which uh, is fine. Yeah. I, you know, my uh, my mom raised me on her own. and uh, But my she has two brothers uh, who are twins. Mm-hmm. And s- the strangest thing is that they are not like, ha- I've never seen this happen before. They were identical twins who then just slowly as they aged became completely different looking. Like yeah. when I remember them as a kid, they looked the same. Like they were like twins. And now... Yeah. If they stood next to each other, I don't even think you could identify them as being related to each other. Yeah. Totally fascinating. But um, That is weird. But because I was a tall kid, the yeah. first thing everyone always asked me is like, hey, play basketball. And oh, of course. And how often I had to disappoint people. <laughs> like, like not, I would, not even once. Not, not, not hundreds of times. Just the, the majority of my days would be spent being like, no, I'm bad at basketball. And the fact that the person's first question to you upon meeting you, you have to disappoint them with a failure of yours. Yes, is a so fascinating real. way to go through life. Be like, ah, yeah. pretty tall. You must be good at basketball. I'm not. I'm terrible at basketball. Yeah. I, Hit your head a lot. Every day. Every day. <laughs> it's really weird, actually. But they would—they wouldn't accept it. They wouldn't accept that I was bad at basketball. So they like forced my mom to put a basketball court in our backyard. So then mm-hmm. every day I had this—I like would go out there and try and play. But like I would just practice. You know, I would just shoot and. 
do layups and stuff like that. Never getting any better at all. No. Over and over, just hundreds and hundreds of hours of attempting yeah, to be fine. good at basketball. Yeah. Uh, played basketball. Uh never never good and it is a fascinating idea that i do believe that my mom put the basketball court in because she was worried that i was gay (laughs) oh well she was wrong and also didn't work sports wise either didn't work sports wise either (laughs) but you know what the flip i've seen a several basketball players try to do stand-up comedy and they suck at it every single one of course there's been a lot and they're all kind of hang out they're like what is they're not chuckle fuckers or whatever that term is but they basically are like they try to hang out with the funniest comedian so hey who cares you can't you can't hit a layup they can't hit a punchline (laughs) screw them (laughs) sure they make 80 million dollar contracts that's fine Sure. Sure, I'm on the balls of my ass, but yeah. (laughs) There was a guy at UMass when I was there named Anthony Oates who was like seven footer, and he was on the basketball team, and he never started. And I mean, seven foot, that's that's even different than six four. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he just he just wasn't a great basketball player. And this isn't me talking shit on him because he was actually a really nice guy. Mm Mm-hmm. Just didn't have the thing, had the size, didn't maybe didn't even have the drive. But one day I was in a dorm room, and my friend Jody was friends with him. Uh, and Anthony Oates, she was like, do you want to meet Anthony? I was like, yeah. And I go in, and he was playing uh, NCAA uh, 2002 or whatever, like the college basketball video game. Yeah. And he was playing UMass, and he was playing his own character, no which way. they didn't have the names on the back, but they had his number, and I think he was zero or zero zero. Uh-huh. And so I walk in, and Jody's like, hey, Anthony, this is Scotty. I was like, what's up? Oh, she was like, he loves UMass basketball. And I was like, yeah, I do. I was like, oh, are you playing? You playing yourself? And he to- he just he's sitting on the floor, seven footer. He turns and looks at me. He goes, "Yeah, Oates is tight." <laughs> <laughs> so at least in the video game world, Oates was tight. <laughs> Oates in real life, little loose, little <laughs> loose, you might say. <laughs> oh man, well I love you even if you can't play basketball because you know what, you'll never have to another time in your life. Maybe at a carnival to win Gus a giant stuffed snake olive is really into it olive is so uh, lauren played basketball she loved it and so they have basketballs now that's cute and uh and she plays with them and uh and i was like oh i remember how to do things which is Mm -hmm. nice but now Mm -hmm. we have basketballs and i do play a little bit of basketball with my kids and you have a garage so you could put a hoop over classic americana classic and then as a good dad all you need to do is rebound just Mm -hmm. catch her missed shots and give her a nice bounce pass and Give her positive reinforcement. That's it. That's it. She might make Team USA. I'll do a quick one. Yeah. Let's just do a quick one even before the break. I love it. Uh, Alex Hartley sent this in. Uh, thank you, Alex. You sent a lot of good stories, buddy. This was written by, I mean, this person rocks butt at journalism. Who? Alex Binally. Oh, Binally. It's time <laughs> for Alex to be the best in the biz. Finally, it's happened to him or them or her. Uh, <laughs> New York alligator captured in Brooklyn's Prospect Park. Mm-hmm. Did you what? see this one? I Dude, did see it. At, it la- at Prospect Park Lake, right where I live, right where you lived. Right, yeah. Uh, a yeah. four-foot alligator has been captured in the lake in New York City's park. This is so um, ex- I mean, you and I walked right here. 500 times, 1,000 times. It's exactly where Curdy B and I used to live. Yeah. Uh, the reptile, which was reportedly nicknamed Godzilla, 
real original New York, Come on, was man. spotted on Sunday morning by a staff in Brooklyn's Prospect Park. They contacted the park's authorities the, uh, who captured the gator in the park's lake. It was taken to the Bronx Zoo. Wait, it's so alligators this is in the winter time. Yes. Oh, and this was on BBC.com. This happened two weeks ago. Uh, on Sunday, temperatures in New York reached 48.2 degrees, which wow. is crazy low for an alligator. New York City yeah. Parks, the authority in charge of the Metropolis's green space, said the animal was in poor condition, very lethargic and cold shocked. When it was yeah. found, it is not known how the alligator came to be in the lake, but authorities warned residents not to release any animals into city parks, which is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> no one was harmed by the alligator, uh, but it is being evaluated, uh, which is, I mean, but in the summer, like, there are so many people that fish and yeah. everything in that lake. That lake is not, I mean, it's a lake, but it's, what, five feet deep in the middle? It's pretty small. Maybe, maybe. It's probably two feet, majority two feet deep. It's like, mostly for people just to look at, like, oh, there's a lake. There it is. I cannot imagine... The psychopath who yeah. was like, I'm going to put an alligator in. Because in the summertime, that thing could thrive. Absolutely. And just eat kids. It would just Absolutely could could easily eat, kid. eat kids. Dogs, all, all kids. All summer long. Absolutely. It said, alongside potential dangers of letting go in the city parks, non-indigenous wildlife can, like you said, lead to the elimination of native species, unhealthy water quality, or hurt people, the authority said. I mean, it's exactly where we used to live. Like they, even when they have the photo of this thing, the, the photo, so f- yeah, yeah, four feet is bigger than you think. Yes, it is bigger than you think. I realized yeah. that when I saw the picture of the four foot tall emperor penguin next to the six <laughs> foot six inch tall penguin, and I thought four feet is still pretty big. I remember early in our friendship, like really, even probably before we were friends when we were just acquaintances, um, I used to, when I was not working, like when I was a waiter, so I'd have my days off, I would ride my bike around Prospect Park listening to my roommate Casey's iPod, and I would I would do in kind of classic me fashion, I'd be like, I need to listen to every Stevie Wonder song there is, so if it ever comes <laughs> up in conversation, I'll have an opinion. I need to listen to every David Bowie song he ever recorded, so if it ever comes up in Brooklyn conversation, I'll have a strong opinion. <laughs> so I'm riding my bike around the park for hours. I would just I would go down every path, and again, I, I recognize my privilege there because I would just go down any path I wanted on my bike yeah. and listen to music. And one day, I was coming around up near the Pavilion Movie Theater mm-hmm. up in that corner, and I saw, uh, you know, I'm just having a day. I'm just pedaling my bike in the sun, listening to Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Blind Stevie Wonder. Such a talented guy from Motown. And I look over and see two grown men crawl out of the ground. What? And I went, what the hell is this? And they just like kind of look around and shuffle off onto the sidewalk and go into Prospect Park. I mean, and go into Park Slope. And I kind of rode over enough to see that there was like an open manhole there. Uh-huh. And then I also saw like toilet paper and stuff around there. And I told you and Kristen pretty soon after, like, I guess I was probably either going to hot tubs and hanging out with you guys afterwards at Triple Crown or whatever. And as soon as I was like, I, I saw two people come out of a hole in the ground in Prospect Park. Kristen goes, yeah, that's mole people. Mole people. 
And I go, what? She goes, Dark Days. Have you seen Dark Days? Do you remember that documentary, <laughs> yeah, Dark course. Days? Hundred percent changed my life. I was like, exactly. this is amazing. That's what you said. It's so funny <laughs> that you said it. All this exact same thing. And then Kristen's like, there's a book called The Mole People. And so I went home. This was like early dumb internet where you couldn't just find everything yeah. you wanted. But I found Dark Days. And to any of the bananas around the world, if you ever want to watch a very interesting documentary about people who have set up entire lives and camps in the abandoned tunnels underneath New York City, including underneath Prospect Park. Yep. Dark Days is from like, what do you think, 1999? Probably. Yeah. Probably around that era. And it was all DJ Shadow. DJ Shadow lent all of his music to it, so it's got a great soundtrack. And it's people like cooking fried chicken for their relatives when they come and visit. It's like people being like, yeah, my sisters lived down here for two years. It's like this. It's crazy. And they built whole houses. Yeah. Like like electricity. uh, Yeah. They tap into the electricity. They have running water. They have whole houses with multiple rooms. It is fascinating. Yeah, Dark Days. It's really worth a watch. It's fair. But it was so funny that I thought I saw something groundbreaking and I learned at 23 <laughs> or whatever like anything you tell anybody in New York City, they're going to be like, yeah, that ex- Yeah, we know that exists. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, did you used to be like, Scotty, we're going to go to Queens. There's like a genie doing a performance and then there's a belly dance and then there's free shish kebab. And I'd be like, where? And they're like, it's in the bottom of an abandoned library. And I'd be like, Kurt, what is your life? But it's true. Every time you think you've discovered something new about New York, a thousand people already know about it and somebody's already made a documentary. Yeah, there was a woman, um, and, I, and, I, and I'm totally blanking on her name now, which is horrible of me, um, who used to run these dinner parties in an abandoned subway station. Incredible. Um, and so you would literally enter, it was a manhole cover in the middle of fucking Atlantic Avenue. Back when Crazy. Atlantic Avenue, there just wasn't Crazy that much busy. traffic down there. Yeah, right. And you literally would just come up and they'd pop it and you'd go down a thing and then you would walk past like two separate Ugh. smaller rooms and then you would come into a like like turn of the century subway station and it would be a full uh, long table with uh, candles lit on it and then like a I mean, five course meal. Hell? It was amazing. Well, it's amazing. I wonder if that stuff still exists. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it probably does. It's just farther out. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, All right. Let's go into a break, buddy. Yeah, tease I'll, us into one. Let's tease us into a break. Um, uh, is advanced AI actually smart? Quote, no. It's using the same system as a pigeon. <laughs> Double dead on the birds today. I like it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll soar into these beautiful commercials. Bananas. Hey, folks, we are back. Scotty, you got any shout-outs for us? Well, first, April 15th, Helium Comedy Club in Portland. Bananas Before Dark at 4.30 with Kurt and I. Oh, yeah. And and then stick around. Have a bev with me. I'm going to watch Kurt do stand-up comedy. Make it a double-decker. If you're driving in from, say, a weird-ass state like Idaho, stay the night. See two shows for the cost of two. 
Um, beyond that, <laughs> Kyle Richard wants to shout out his beautiful wife, Megan. He's calling her beautiful. I've never seen her. I'm assuming she is. For becoming the office leader of the Greater Pacific Northwest at her company, which is a geology company or something like that. Uh-huh. She's a badass geologist. Nice. So congratulations, Megan. Again, your husband says you're beautiful. I've never seen you. I spent a lot of time laying on rocks uh, this past (laughs) week with my friend Steve, who is a stone sculptor. Oh, yes, he is. And uh, just kept asking him over and over again, what kind of rock is this? What kind of rock is this? And his answer repeatedly was, I don't know. We have to ask a geologist. (laughs) And so I wish you were available while I was tripping in the woods uh, just a week ago. Beautiful. Jennifer wants to shout out her own Etsy shop, which is called Bodica Diosa or Bodica Diosa. She sells, Curdy B, witchcraft supplies, intention Ooh. candles, Woo-hoo. spiritual sprays. Woo-hoo. Who doesn't need that? Yeah. And she makes her own jewelry and candles. Um, when we did Bad Ideas with Adam Devine, yes. which is now streaming on Roku, we evoked a demon, or at least we tried to. Oh, we hired wow. a witch, uh-huh. and she came out. And I'm not kidding. Two very strange things happened when we did it, uh, including a fire sprung up when it was not supposed to, and everybody looked at each other, and it got very weird. So really? thank God there was... I swear to God. I we were, I was watching, and everybody was looking around when a fire erupted that was in no way supposed to erupt, and even the witch looks a little weirded out. Wow. So don't try to evoke a demon unless you go to Jennifer's Etsy shop, B-O-T-I-C-A, Diosa, Bodica Diosa. Um, We'll do one more. Yeah. Oh, this one's kind of fun. Brindle Caprell, which is an incredible name. Wow. I mean, great name for a human being, great name for a racehorse. Mm -hmm. Brindle Caprell. Uh, wants to do a sneaky shout-out for her brother-in-law, Owen. I think it's sneaky because she didn't realize that Owen was also a banana. She just found that out recently. Owen got hired to play in the orchestra of the traveling, uh, touring show of for Aladdin. He's a badass brass player, nice. and everyone in his life is pumped for Owen. So congratulations to Bananimal Owen for being our favorite brass-playing Bananimal. Yeah, B-A-B-P-B, badass brass-playing Bananimal. <laughs> Absolutely. You can always send your stuff into the Bananas Podcast or Instagram. We don't check our Gmail quite as much as the Instagram, um, but you can also send it to the Bananas Podcast at gmail.com. All right. You want to hear what this uh, this AI study found out, Scott? It's getting weird. AI is getting weird. It really is. It's 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 really coming in fast. So Aaron mm-hmm. Erdman sent this in, the one in. Uh, Aaron the getting queen. another one. Aaron knew this was right up my alley. I mean, it's AI and birds. How? (laughs) I mean, like, it should be written by me. Uh, Mm -hmm. This was in Sky News. That's real. That's that's real. It's written by... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi. Ooh. Ooh, that flying sky news staff. 
Nobody wanted to Nobody touch this. Nobody wanted to touch this one. The Brits do put the names at the end of their articles, oh, really? I've noticed a lot. Yeah, at the very bottom. It'll be like um, Paul Clark. Oh, and well, you're like, yep, yeah, Paul Clark did write that. Oh, I guess Related Topics wrote this. Oh, well, that's pretty sad. <laughs> the world's best artificial intelligence, AI, is at, is at the most basic level about as smart as a pigeon New research suggests. No way. Having undertaken a deep study into the inner workings of the bird's brain, researchers found that the brute force techniques they use to learn share similarities with AI. Much like AI is taught to identify patterns and objects recognized by humans, the Mm -hmm. team at the University of Iowa discovered pigeons rely on a repetitive trial and error approach. Tests saw each pigeon shown a stimulus, each showing a different pattern, which the the pigeons then had to categorize by picking one of two buttons. They had to do so based on characteristics like line width, line angle, and how the patterns were arranged. Mm -hmm. A correct answer yielded a tasty pellet, but an incorrect response yielded nothing. Eventually, the pigeons memorized enough of them to score almost 70%. Uh, you hear all the time about the wonders of AI, all the amazing things it can do, said Professor Ed Wasserman from the mm-hmm. university's psychology and brain sciences department. It can beat the pants off people playing chess or at any video game, for that matter. How does it do it? Is it smart? Quote, no. It's using the same system or an equivalent system to what the pigeon is using here. Uh-huh. This way of learning through recognition is known as associative learning, where humans usually rely on declarative learning. For example, most of us don't need to touch a hot stove to know that it will hurt, whereas something that relies on associative learning would, meaning a pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning the pigeon will touch the hot stove over and over again. (laughs) Yes, it will. Uh, Hailing pigeons as, quote, like AI masters, Professor Wasserman said people are wowed by AI doing amazing things using a learning algorithm much like the pigeon. When people talk about associative learning in humans and animals, it's discounted as rigid and unsophisticated. Uh Of course, where computers can go beyond pigeons is in their enormous memory and storage capabilities, allowing them to store and process far more information than a pigeon brain could. But at their core, the way they learn is much the same. Um, and that's pretty much like the end of the article. But what's fascinating is that they don't then mention that the main difference between pigeon and an AI is that like an AI is like having hundreds and hundreds of billions of pigeons mm-hmm. doing hundreds of billions of pigeon things every millisecond. <laughs> Yeah, like, that sounds like that that old Dr. Wasserman just wanted to get his name in print because it's not the same. Dude, it's, it's not, not the same. same. Not it's at like, all. Like, that's like saying, like, I could fight off one pigeon. Oh, well, what about one trillion pigeons that yes. peck you a trillion times <laughs> per millisecond? Can you fight that off? No, you're dead. You're done. You're gone. No, sir. God, that's so funny. Well, I guess that's, I mean, there's a lot of bad news about AI out there. So I just watched Megan this morning with my, I made some breakfast, drank a few cups of coffee and watched Megan. Loved it. Oh, was it really good? It's great. All right. Maybe I'll watch it. It's great. It's actually a good movie. Like, uh, you know, when you write movies, you, I, I try to just not think about beats. I don't try to think about twists or Uh B story. I just tried to watch the movie. And at the end I was like, that was just a good movie. And then I always think of like how would I've done it, and I'm like they they nailed it. They did it better than I ever would have done it. It's oh wow! Really, okay. really a fun, like the 
the success it's having and the praise it's getting, it's fun. Allison Williams is very good in it. Yeah. But it's also about AI. So you'll like it. I think she has a really funny quote. Do we talk about this? I don't know if we did. Um, in I think it's a New Yorker article where she's being interviewed and she's like, and they ask her about the whole Nepo baby thing because she's, you know, uh, the daughter of of Brian Williams. Brian Williams, that disgraced uh, NBC anchor Brian Williams. That's right. He's the one who like made up the story about the helicopter, right? He kept lying. I think yeah. he's a good dude, but man, so he made a big mistake with that. He Huge really did. Mistake. He just kept mussy. He must have like said it enough times that it felt like it was real in his head and then kind of had forgotten. Oh yeah, that never happened. Yes, um, true. I don't exactly know why we're getting said. We are we're giving him the benefit of the doubt cuz he seemed like a, an, an overall pretty good He's guy. He's funny. Yeah. But um her thing about being a nepo baby was interesting. She's like, "Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, I know I had advantages um that other people didn't have. You know, it doesn't mean that I didn't really work hard and try hard and put as just as much work in as anybody else, but no one can really root for me because my dad was famous." <laughs> I was like, here it is. Yeah, that's totally true. Totally self-aware. Yeah. Self-aware person. I, uh, last week I got, I had the pleasure of talking to a high school in Texas for the sixth period creative writing class. Wow. Mrs. Gill's writing class, who's a banana animal. And I I think one or two of the students also listened to the podcast previous to it. Killeen High School in Killeen, Texas. Between Dallas and Austin. Sweet. You know what their mascot is? Who? The Kangaroos. Oh, nice. Great name. Killing High School Kangaroos. That's a good name. Hard K sound. You can root for it. They're great kids. I left feeling very optimistic about the future because they were like smart questions, respectful kids, all interesting. Like it was it was a great class. It was really fun to do. Oh, that's awesome. So they're not Nepo babies, but that's what I was saying to them. Like, I'm an idiot from nowhere. If I can do it, you can do it, which is true. Yeah. It's, it's just a, a lot easier for those people. Exactly. It's a lot easier if your dad hooks you up with a job. <laughs> yeah. And an agent. My God. Um, all right. Give me another one, Scotty. Even though Here's- we spent 20 minutes talking up, talking non-stories, we're going to get through our stories today. Let's do a lot of stories. Who cares? Yeah, Let's I'm light ready. it up. Stephen G. Nolte sent this in. Ooh. Thank you, Stephen G. Nolte. Thanks, Steve. And my buddy Chess sent this to me, too. Um, this was in GlasgowLive.uk. Classic. Written by Julia Bannum, mm. which is halfway to Bananimal. It is. Yes, miles biz. and miles apart. <laughs> yeah, she's the best in the biz when it comes to this. Uh, shocked bride finds groom being breastfed by his mother before their <laughs> wedding ceremony. What? This yeah. is real? This, this is, is this... real. <gasps> you, I found it everywhere. Oh. It, it was everywhere, and uh, yeah, here we go. Okay. A bride had the shock of her life on her wedding day, and for all the wrong reasons. Wedding planner Georgie Mitchell appeared on the comedy podcast Unfiltered Bride and recalled the story of a bride, a bride finding the groom being breastfed by his mother on their wedding day. I bet. Is it? I bet. <laughs> so How do you? At uh, this point. Yes. It can't be breastfeeding. It's more that he was sucking on his mom's tits, right? I do not know. I mean, maybe if he never stopped. For 20, he's in his, what, he's 18, 19, 20? Uh, it doesn't say here, but let's say, uh, let's assume he's in his 20s. 
I don't know if the human body can sustain 20 years straight of breastfeeding. Yeah, I don't know either. That's it seems like that 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 the body can't handle that. All right. All right. I'm I'm ready to listen, Scotty. Yeah, as and as pre-wedding nightmares go, it was right up there leaving both listeners and the host horrified. While part of any good wedding planner's role is to keep uh, their counsel while seeing no end of dramas, nothing could have prepared Jenny for what she was about to witness. Georgie told the co-host Beth, quote, the bride walked into the toilet, so the bathroom as we would say in yeah. the States, mm-hmm. and what she saw was enough to end any wedding. Uh, end quote. Like many, Beth assumed that uh, the groom had been cheating. Wait, that's a crazy sentence. Like many, Beth had assumed the groom had been cheating on her in the lose or taking drugs. But in fact, it was much, much worse than that, which is debatable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he was cheating on somebody and they were shooting up with heroin, that's that's a pretty big whopper compared to, well, maybe not. <laughs> well, I don't know. know. I don't know. It's all this, kind of. Yeah. I think it's not. all. It's all on the same level. Yes. 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 <laughs> uh, less. Less impactful on the bank account, maybe. Um, to the listeners' horror. Horror. <laughs> Georgie revealed how the groom was being breastfed by his mom or mum. Uh, disgusted, Beth replied, "Sorry, what? Why would you marry a man who still breastfeeds?" To which Georgie reasoned. I don't think she knew that was what was happening, meaning up until that point, the, the bride was in the dark. The podcast host reflected then on why the mom was still producing milk and realized she'd obviously been doing it continuously to get to that point. Even more surprising, Georgie clarified that the shock bride did still indeed go ahead with the wedding. What? She added, everybody is in the room waiting, but what? you definitely wouldn't kiss when you said, will you kiss the groom or some joke. They, but that bride still got married. What? This is... But I, that, there's just no way. There's no way this is real. There's no way I mean, way it's this in is tons. Real. I mean... Is it from Reddit, sto- though? No, it wasn't. It was, I, I actually Googled it because we got it from so many, you know, we got it from Lad Bible and uh-huh. pu- Puberty or whatever those are all called. But then I went and found it. I'm like, I just picked this one because the woman, the writer's name was Julia Bannum. And I was like, I'll take Bananimal. <laughs> she won on a truly arbitrary reason. Wow. This is, I, I cannot, this is amazing. And it's in England. It's in England, right? It's in England, yeah. Wow. But yeah. But to go through the wedding. Like with the wedding is, isn't that like a, it's such a major red flag, but it's also, it's not, it is a lie, but it's also like true withholding where you're like, you didn't tell me that. Like you and I have a friend and I might've mentioned this on a podcast before, but like his wife still doesn't know that he smokes. And you and I were like, how is that possible? <laughs> but he would like rip one cigarette and then like, you know, chew 20 pieces of gum and wash his hands and stuff. And he was like engaged at the time. And I still know this guy. He's a really nice guy. But there was a point where you're like, just tell your wife that you smoke one cigarette a day, you weirdo. Yeah. One what are you doing? Be honest. And that's way more normal than sucking on your mom's ample I, bosom. That is, I just don't, there's something... For that long, that's the craziest part as well, is that that means that, because, you know, as famously, as a, a, a long breastfed child, <laughs> Game famously, of Game of Thrones length <laughs> breastfed child, my mom breastfed me until I was three years old, 
Well, I, I went, thought it was longer than that. No, but three it, it, seems. I bet three is fine. Three. I have a three-year-old. It's insane. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's one opinion. It's 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 a very 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 long time. Yes. Um, I understand why it happened. Um, I sure, think it was sure, sure. you know trauma related for my mom and for sure. me, mm. um, because of a divorce and stuff like that and moving halfway across the country, but. It is still fascinating. And the reason it stopped was just because I went away for two weeks. Like, I went to yeah. see my dad for two weeks. And in two weeks, after three years, in two weeks, it was like, boom, there's no more milk. It's, it's over. It doesn't happen anymore. Here's a cheeseburger, bud. Get yeah, used to it. Yeah, exactly. And so that means that these two people, if this is true, if, this is, if, it's, if he's actually getting nourishment out of this woman's breasts, that means they haven't been apart. He's never taken a a, a two week pause. He's never yes. gone on vacation. Mm-hmm. He's never he's never gone to college for two weeks. He's never done anything longer than two weeks. Like that's crazy. Yes, that means like after work he doesn't go to the pub and have a couple pints with with the boys. He goes over his mom's house and you know gets a pint of breast milk and then heads on home. And he, he always eats a light dinner. Surprisingly, just a salad. <laughs> Crazy. That so is a wild one. Crazy. I do uh, wonder uh, what his immune system is like. I bet you his immune system's amazing. Yes. It just <laughs> bones. Just bones like a six foot six penguin. Just <laughs> bulletproof bones on this man. You could shoot him eight times and he will live because he's been breastfed for 20 years. I went to this fun little wedding as a plus one in Brooklyn once and a, f- a friend was just like, hey, will you be my date? And I was like, sure. And so I went. I was like, well, it's a couple. Like, she was like, they're really weird in a great way. You're going to like them. And yeah. I did. And and this happens. And it's weird when you see it, but it's not. So the the groom was about five foot four and the bride was about six feet tall. Yeah. Like they were just like that. And, you know, when they're standing there at the altar, it does look interesting. It, it looks unfamiliar, but it shouldn't be. But it was like they were just the love. They loved each other so deeply. Yeah. Great wedding, right downtown Brooklyn, and when the everything was totally normal until the dancing started during the reception, and like one of the groomsmen was the DJ, and he gets up there, and they're playing music, and then the DJ just yells "Toboggan," and the whole floor clears, uh-huh. and I guess it was like a family thing, and all the men in the family sat on their butts with uh, in the middle of the dance floor. <laughs> With uh, their legs of the guy behind them up along their side, so uh-huh. like six or eight guys uh-huh. long, and then pretended to row like they were canoeing, and all butt scooted across the dance floor, and then <laughs> yelled toboggan, got up, rotated, and then butt scooted while pretending to row across the dance floor. What? <laughs> I know, and which isn't that? It's like you know, usually <laughs> one guy does the worm, or somebody yeah, can yeah, moonwalk, yeah, yeah. or what? The, the a girl hold her ankle in the back of her head and do that weird her jerky jerky thing uh-huh. but they were just yelled toboggan <laughs> and that was the tradition and i saw the bride and the groom was in the front and the bride loved it she was like <laughs> clapping and cheering and i saw a few wives who hadn't seen the old toboggan <laughs> butt scoot trick before uh dry up like a raisin in the sun it was like <laughs> but like just imagine eight small italian men sitting on their butts on an empty dance floor <laughs> in in suits without jackets uh. Butt to crotch, legs in front, <laughs> and then just butt scoot, butt scoot, butt scoot, <laughs> while pretending to row an invisible canoe. <laughs> I just want to oh. know. I want to know where it came from so badly. 
toboggan. Like is, is that from the old country or was that just a drunken thing someone did one night and everyone like thought it was hilarious? I think it's that. I that, And I never asked because I was laughing too hard. But that's why it's so fun to go to any wedding because every family is weird if you yeah. spend enough time with it. Yep. Everybody listening to this, it's like, my family's not weird. You have the weirdest family of all if you don't think your family's not weird. <laughs> Man, toboggan, uh, toboggan. We gotta do a toboggan at ne- at the next wedding week. We it's gonna take practice, but these guys were leaving take. the ground. I mean, they were butt scooting, not using their hands, just ankles and butts, just going blah 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 blah, blah like a caterpillar. And they were like, and they were doing it all together so that they like moved as one. It was incredible. Now it's impressive. Now I'm interested. Hey, <laughs> that when they did it the other way, I'm like, well, now you're just showing off, yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm wet. <laughs> and all the wives are going, please, God, stop. Anything but this. I won't be able to get this out, out of, of my, my head. memory bank. <laughs> um, well, Scotty, we did it again. What a beautiful well, episode. Yeah, this is a fun one. I could tell it's been 10 days. We're fresh. Freshy, fresh, fresh. Ready to go. Um, thank you to everyone. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who sends stories. And please send more to um, Bananimals. Uh, the the bananas podcast at gmail.com or on our yeah. Instagram. And please rate and review us. That would be it wonderful. Helps. It really does help. We're closing in on like 7,000. We're closing in on 1,000, either 7,000 or 8,000. Let's hit it in 2023, Bananimals. I'll start posting it more in the, in the stories on our Instagram. And uh, oh, yeah. And thanks for everybody for following Stuck Truck Hill on Instagram. We are over 1,100 followers, which yes. is hilarious. That's so funny. That's awesome. We're making it real. <laughs> bananas. And bananas to that, bananas. Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The Catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas. Bananas. Bananimals, follow Bananas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, feel free to rate and review our little show. And of course, please visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Bananas merch.